everybody to Tuning Fork. It's a show about music and the Pitchfork Media Hype Machine. I'm David. I'm Matt. And uh, we have a guest today you want to introduce yourself to? Hi, I'm Janos. It's Janos. We got Please Mr. Clap. So Damn on his podcast here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> noise, noise space personality Janos. Yeah. I, uh, Just making, <laughs> making the circuit around all of the podcasts. I, I own the... Uh, network show section on noise space like i think half of the shows on there are mine so it, it is a good portion of them yeah, yeah. L- let me know if there's any that aren't there currently and i'll add them <laughs> i don't think so i, I think I'm, i think i'm pretty thorough i think i got most of them yeah. there and david what are we talking about today well like janos offhandedly mentioned something about like either mount erie or the microphones i think in in hkip chat and yes. then decided to do a completely different album instead. <laughs> um, but that's fine. Yeah, look, I am I just posted something that Phil posted. Uh, sometimes you sometimes like, you just post. Yeah, yeah, and you were like, let's do Tuning Fork. And I was like, yeah, but I, as much as I love Phil, and yeah, as much as I love the Glow Part 2, one, not sure how fun it is to talk about his music. Um <laughs> And also, like, I, I, I think I know people who are bigger fans than me, so I feel like I'm, I do them uh, an injustice. So I was, like, looking through all the best new musics, uh, and I was like, which is, which is one that, like, gets a reaction out of me, and it was this one. Yeah, so it's Who Will Cut Our Hair When We're Gone by the Unicorns from 2003? 2003. Yeah. This, so we're um... a little bit back in the timeline here. Mm-hmm. I think this yeah. is like this is this was Pitchfork's real kingmaker days. Yeah. Like I think after this, like there was there's definitely periods of time where like they could still like they could still like make or break an artist like in like 2011, but this is like if Pitchfork gave you a nice review, you existed. Like that that's what it was at this point, right? Cuz like you yeah, also just got to so. note like this is this is pre-arcade fire. People were not paying attention to Montreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was seven year old uh, at this time, so I <laughs> I got to this album like in 2015, I think. Uh, for yeah. me, it probably would have been like my friend got my friend uh, my friend Callie turned me on to them in like 2005 or six, like sometime after we'd started high school. Mm. Um, was like a just like a random like New York music store purchase for her, so very like uh, very serendipitous. Mm, so it was like here's a here's a pretty recent album, but they already broke up. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, it's it, like it kind of makes sense when you listen to the album. It, it very much seems <laughs> like the kind of thing where they where they barely got it together for the album in the first place. Yeah, they they had a lot of ideas, but uh, you know, it, it seemed more like something that thrived in the recording studio than live. Apparently, yeah, and it's like it's almost like the. Um, like the way the trajectory worked is almost like the opposite of how Japan Droids worked out, where Japan Droids were like a fixture live act that are like, fuck, I guess we should just record an album and then we can finish up. And then the album got really popular <laughs> and then they got popular and kind of just like, you know, exploded out. And here it's just like they're like a bunch of studio heads who hated performing live. They finally <laughs> record an album and then they tour so hard that they die. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I was mentioning just... this earlier that uh, the the only uh, comment on the artist page on Redacted is saw them live in about 2004 was one of the worst shows I've ever been to. They played like a 30 minute set were dicks to the audience and it seemed like they hated their lives. Not hard to see why they broke up. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just I mean, remember that's... I was looking. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say like this is g- kind of, like, 
I don't know, maybe it's not a great pitch, but like every time I uh, bring this album up to someone who doesn't know it, I'm like, oh, it's like two people who have great chemistry on the album, but as soon as they were touring, they realized they hate each other and broke <laughs> up. So. I, I think uh, I, I think the... So this album does have two Pitchfork reviews, which we'll get into shortly. Only one of them yes. is good. I'm sorry, they're both positive scores, but only one of them is a good review. Um, yeah. And uh, the latter of those reviews written by Stuart Berman, like one of Pitchfork's best writers. So I'm glad that he got on the, the reissue writing. Um, just talks about how like their, their, their writing style is really combative. It's like right. the fact that they managed to coalesce into coherent songs is almost like like a miracle that it, that it yeah, happened this, at all. This album feels like and in, in, in many regards, like not just in not just in terms of the band members, but this album like really feels like it's holding together with duct tape. Like mm-hmm. some of the songs kind of feel like it's an argument between the, yeah. the two main songwriters. Yeah. <laughs> they do that more than once on the album and you don't yeah, even know like how much both... of it's kayfabe. Yeah, exactly. It's in and out of character. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like as far as like uh, stuff after this, uh, after this band broke up, uh, Nick Thorburn is obviously best known for Islands, which he's done like a bajillion albums with at this point. Although I think yep. I feel like now he's more known for doing music for podcasts. That's true. He did. Like, the, I feel uh, like more people know what Serial is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he wrote that. I yeah, have never listened to Serial, so. of course. We did all the music for Serial. <laughs> Wild. The first podcast, so I guess I should be thankful to him. That we should be thankful. <laughs> yeah, it's the only podcast that's out there, actually. Yeah, yeah. no, it's all, it's all true crime. That's all that exists. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, and then like Alden Penner has released like a few things. Like he put out Clues, um, mm-hmm. which is like his, his his I'd say main band. As if he released more than one album, he put out one album with Clues um, on Constellation Records. So that's Godspeed's label. So, like, still in with the Montreal Pals for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then put out an album as The Hidden Words, which is, like, a Baha'i faith album. Interesting. I don't yeah. know anything about that religion, <laughs> so I can't say anything either way on it. All I know is that that album was in, like, a bunch of different languages. Um, and then, like, he has um, a band camp, which I just found today, which has music by a band called Go Fuck Yourself, which released music in March <laughs> of, uh, of last year. Oh, hell yeah. The only review on Bandcamp is my taxi driver recommended it to me. <laughs> Don't know what's going on here. The band is named after his feelings toward Nick Thorburn. <laughs> I don't even know if they hate each other that much, though. It's just like I feel like they've had enough time apart that it's like it's mostly cool yeah. at this point. Because I mean, they, they, I, had re- I, they had a reunion in 2014. And yeah, they they played like a grand total of six shows, but nonetheless, yeah. they mm-hmm. had a reunion. So it was uh, New York, sh- like a few New York shows, a few LA shows, and then one show at uh, Pop Montreal was the last thing they did. Mm. I really I like wanted to go to same... Pop Montreal that year. I feel like that's the same year, like 2014 or 15 was also when Arcade, not Arcade Fire, uh, fucking Nutrium Hotel did their like one reunion. So that was well. Let me that see what I saw. Time them. for. Neutral yeah. Milk Hotel at Cool House, which is the venue that I saw them at, mm-hmm. was January 2014. What do you know? Yeah, there you go. So it was a this was a year for like seeing bands together that you didn't think would yeah, ever but like, play together again. <laughs> unlike Neutral, unlike uh, Neutral Milk Hotel, I did not get to see the Unicorns that because they didn't fucking play anywhere near me. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah, the Canadian band didn't come anywhere near you. 
Yeah, they, 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 the only Canadian show is in Montreal, which was not close to me at the time. It's a little closer to me now, um, but still not that close. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, I didn't realize they were Canadian until like very recently, uh, which is, I don't know, I just, I guess I just didn't look into them and I didn't think about the fact that like, I knew that they performed with Arcade Fire a few times. So I, I, I feel like that should have been a hint, but I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, Arcade you know, Fire America- plays with a lot of people. Like, Arcade Fire toured with Janelle Monet at one point, so, like... That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, and also, like, North America is just, like, mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that the, the Stu Berman get review gets into right at the end. It's, like, uh, Unicorns are about to, because this was... It, the, the reissue of this album came out uh, a little bit before the tour. It was, like, in in 2003, you could, you could easily imagine the opposite scenario. Arcade Fire opening for a headlining Unicorns in 2014. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, because Funeral hadn't even come out yet at that point. It was, yeah, the the, uh, Arcade Fire hadn't released Funeral yet, and the Unicorns hadn't toured themselves into Oblivion yet. And as as far as uh, promising bands go, they both could have gone either way. Um, Richard Reed Perry of Arcade Fire is on this album. He plays several instruments and also does uh, recording assistance. Yeah, apparently Regine of Arcade Fire was on Island's first album, which I didn't know. Yeah, that tracks. And then, yeah, Island's first album just contains several direct references to this one. Mm. Yeah. Both reviews of this uh, were 8.9. We mentioned the second review already, the reissue. Uh, Stuart Berman wrote that review. Good review. Well written. The first review... <laughs> um, this is one of the most deranged things I have ever read. <laughs> like, it's definitely up there in terms of what we've read on the show so far. Yeah, can I please just read this per- first paragraph? Please. I just really want to read it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, this this review written by Eric Carr. Let's see how recently he's written for the site. The last thing he wrote was a smog review in 2005. So it's been a while. Um, but yeah. he also wrote the Robert Pollard re- relaxation of the asshole review, um, which is very <laughs> likely something that we will cover. Oh, this is a zero. Can I come back for that? I love Robert Pollard. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a zero. And it, when it was released, it had a zero and a 10. They oh, gave it. Great. Oh, yeah. That that was Great. that was a very. I don't actually know if the review is good, but I'm 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 fascinated by that conceptually because yeah, relaxation of the asshole um, is a it's an album entirely of guided by voices banter. It's literally no songs. It's just the banter. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, I didn't know this album, <laughs> um, but that's that, that that's that tracks for <laughs> for oh, guided yeah, by voices, honestly. <laughs> Um, so it's here's the here's the Robert first paragraph of the original 2003 review for Who Will Cut Our Hair When We're Gone. Pop music gets off way too easily. So long as groups stick to only the sweetest melodies, throw in a couple of ba ba buzz and sing about how Stacy's mom has got it going on, or some other such timeless verse, they're valued as somehow <laughs> above the fray. It seems even the most venomous rock elitists can be defanged by a few simple hooks, turned endlessly forgiving by some easy harmonies. If Stalin himself had ruled with less of an iron <laughs> fist and more Beach Boys-style harmonies, he might be remembered as much for his keen songwriting chops as for the wholesale slaughter of millions of his own people, such as the inexplicable titanic redemptive power of pop. That same self- the, sorry, that self-same blinding power is also why it takes a band as innovative as the unicorns to throw the complacencies of pop into stark relief to finally hold it accountable for such casual abuses so this is a this is a scenario that would happen (laughs) 
Hello? What if Stalin would write... What if Stalin had written pop songs instead? Have you ever thought about that? I mean... Have you thought about what would happen if Fountains of Wayne killed millions of their own people? (laughs) God. Rest in peace, Adam Schlesinger. Yeah. But that just made me think about that, which is sad. Yeah. And Fountains of Wayne is also just good. So jot that down. (laughs) But yeah, no, this whole first review gets like... It, it is nothing. Even after that, the rest of the review is just jerk off motion. What does yeah. Stalin have to do with this band? <laughs> it's it's so much like wow, they're 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 breaking, they're making unconventional like song structure choices. And it's like they're not even doing that. Like they're relatively normal songs structure wise. Yeah, they just don't yeah. have choruses, and that's it. Yeah, not having an ABA song structure doesn't make it like a revolutionary but for pop, pop song. music. You know, like this is, but but this is this is just just an attitude of like hating pop music, I guess, right? Yeah. Like every which like saying oh, yeah. that any pop song that doesn't have an ABA structure, like any any pop song that doesn't have verse, chorus, verse, bridge, chorus, you know? Yeah, it's like already revolutionary. Like I don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's like all things that can be said about modern uh, modern Pitchfork, which, like, on that note, support the Pitchfork Union, obviously. Um, yeah, we, please. We have said it on Twitter. But, uh, okay, first, also, just on that note, they gave Welcome Interstate Managers a 7.5. That is not even a bad score. <laughs> Ugh. But, yeah, no, it's like all, all that can be said about Pitchfork, it's like at least they understand that pop music is real now. Uh-huh. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like... I guess that was that was what they were offering that was different at the time. Mm. It's like they weren't Rolling Stone. They weren't like, uh, fuck, what other magazines even exist? None of them exist anymore is the thing. Uh, <laughs> like yeah. every, every fucking magazine NME, is folded. I guess. Enemy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just going through the Destroyer song, which once you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so this- like... <laughs> It's it's like the, 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 this is just them establish establishing their value prop. It's like here's some music that's different. Yeah, for pop music, you know, as much as we Which, ha- like, sure. If, if if you have to admit that you like a pop song, then you already have to like give a paragraph long explanation that there's actually like okay, unlike other pop music, you know, this one is revolutionary. So <laughs> you know, this band isn't like other girls. It makes good pop hooks. One mm. thing that's uh, that that is kind of mentioned is like they really just start hooks and throw them away right away. Like they they yeah. really don't milk anything on this whole album. No. Yeah, that's why I'm. That's Which, why like, that was the other. It's to its credit. Other, that was the other. Yeah, that was the other thing. I where I I was saying that it feels like it's it's held together with duct tape because it's like so so many of these songs feel like they just they they stick together like five song ideas and it somehow works but it still mm-hmm. feels a lot of the time feels like this could fall apart at any moment and it's kind of you know gifts for a gifts for like, an exhilarating listen because like anything can happen yeah like i wonder yeah, how much like, of this was like influenced by um the late 90s early 2000s elephant six type thing where they were uh you know exchanging ideas through the through like the mail with cassettes mm. and four track recordings and stuff and splicing stuff together in the studio like that i feel like it was a lot of that but also like they all just lived in montreal i'm yeah. sure they all just yeah. bounced between each other's houses all the time god remember where you can like go to people's houses yeah no it really makes I you don't. think huh <laughs> but i i i don't know just like i have not read uh modern pitchfork reviews so i don't know if they still do it but like, i i assume they don't like compare pop music to genocidal dictators anymore 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. What if Stalin wrote the Beach Boys songs? I just can't get over this. Like, make, th- making up a guy to get mad at, but it's specifically a real, real-life dictator and, like, trying to... Making up things about music. a guy to get mad yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, the thing is, you could easily have just spun that into the fact that Charles Manson was in the studio with the Beach Boys. Yeah, he Like, was. that's a real thing that happens. You could have just said, what if Charles Manson's songs were good? <laughs> but they weren't. But they weren't. <laughs> I guess we could start getting into the album. Please. All right. First, we have uh, I Don't Want to Die. Which is starting the album off with kind of a weird cartoony doo-wop song. Lots of sound effects. Yeah, this the, it feels like Nicholas Thorburn just like found that keyboard setting that makes a squeaky noise and was like, <laughs> yes, more of I'm this. sticking with this. I think uh, Stu Berman refers to it as setting the synthesizer to fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best description of how the synth sound on this I whole should. album. I should find the fart setting on my synth for my next album. You should find the fart setting. <laughs> <laughs> you can make your own unicorn song. Yeah. You just have to, uh, you have to work on your falsetto a little bit. Mm. Yeah, a little bit. But I think this, I think this like fart sound is also like what immediately hooked me on this album. Like the first time <laughs> oh, I, yeah. uh, I heard it is that it's just, it's very fun to listen to. It's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we were talking earlier about how it's effectively like specifically a headphone album you can't mm-hmm. really listen to it like on speakers with a lot of background noise because a lot just gets lost because it's so low in the mix mhm it it pretty it worked pretty well when i was listening to it on uh on vinyl just now the speakers are pointed right at me and i'm like a meter away from them but nonetheless yeah. it's like it worked well. I think it's just like this album, weirdly for such a lo-fi album, kind of requires a bit of fidelity. Yeah. Um, because there's like, there's details <clears throat> that will get lost regardless of how like low fidelity the recording itself was. Uh, so like when I was trying to listen to it yesterday, like in the car, non-starter, complete fucking non-starter. Uh, <laughs> some of the singles would work fine that way. Like Jelly Bones would be fine that way. Uh, yeah. But some of the songs, they're straight up whispering the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, there's just bass and, like, low crooning and no treble whatsoever. Yeah, and Ready to Die is one of... Uh, I Don't Want to Die is one of those. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, you you really can't listen to this one in uh, in a loud environment. Yeah. It's all of two minutes long. Yeah, that's... So yeah. it just kind of... It gets you a nice jump in points and then immediately leaves. I guess mm-hmm. this, that that's, this kind of adds to the listenability to this album, I think, that... Most of the sh- yeah. songs are really short, and even if they're not, they're like like Child Star is the longest song, but that's like a lot that of still has like enough distinct parts that it it's just like really there's there's <laughs> no fat on this album, right? Or there's no Child like, Star is a five minute song suite. Yeah, <laughs> like it's like what if, what if Sufjan did Impossible Soul really fucking fast? <laughs> Literally, yeah. Yeah, listen uh, to Impossible Soul at four x speed, and then get back to me. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen to Tuning Fork episode one at 4x speed and get back to me. <laughs> um, I love that in the first part of the song, Nick Thorburn does an explosion sound with his mouth. Oh, yeah. Like, so good. <laughs> <laughs> such, a, such an evocative plane crash sound. Yeah. And yeah. that, this already, like, this line, I predicted dying a plane crash explosion sound. I see it now, dying a car on tour. Already got, like, one of the worst genius annotations I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> Vocalist Nicholas Thorburn's predictions probably won't come true. The yearly odds of dying in a plane crash are 1 in 11 million, while the odds of dying in a motor vehicle crash are 1 in 5,000. And then a picture of the band not wearing shirts. <laughs> I love to, in well, actually, someone... a bathtub someone full who... of hair. Oh, yeah, that is a bathtub full of hair, isn't it? It is. Anyway, thank you, Squanto. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I love when someone tells me that... Uh, when when someone tells me that they're afraid to go on a plane, I love to pull up numbers on how li- how few people <laughs> <laughs> die in a plane crash. Yeah, it's yeah. This this album has some of the worst genius annotations I've ever seen. Um, I think the largely in part of uh, the fact that it all they all seem to predate like it not being rap genius. Like I think it was mm. all still rap genius when this album was put on. Like, before they started Probably, making, yeah. like, the separate sections and everything. Oh, and then maybe, we all yeah. know the kind of people who want to go explain rap genius, or, <laughs> or explain rap songs, are all the most annoying white people that exist. Yeah, this... And there's also several points where they just completely misinterpret the lyric, which, like, we'll, we'll get yeah, to every, yeah. uh, in a couple of times uh, later on. There's some... Oh, the my other favorite is also on this song for the lyrics. My finger's on the pulse, but where's the beat? And the annotation says... A common way of telling if someone is alive is to test their pulse, usually by putting two <laughs> fingers on the neck. No beat means no life. Wow, beat is life. <laughs> it's true. I love that. Like literally, like half of the explanations on this uh, on this album are just if you don't incredibly breathe, that literal. Means you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, it's kind of an album about death. What was your clue? This the fact that there's the word ghost in three different song titles uh, in a row. In a row. In a row. <laughs> in a row but yeah this uh this song does this this song kind of just references those songs straight up yeah like drifting out to sea like referencing sea ghost and then mm-hmm. don't want to die in our sleep referencing uh ghost mountain yep. sleeping bags shall we move on to the first ghost song yeah we can move on to the first ghost yeah. song all right we got tough ghost This is a banger. Yeah, this is the single that I remember the most from this album. I and I feel like that's the case for most people. I remember well. I lift weights, but I don't sweat. I go for a swim, but I don't get wet. Was very like AOL instant messenger away message lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the exact era that that evokes for me. And also like the fucking melody of those two lines has been stuck in my head since 2006 and they just fucking <laughs> drop it and leave it. Like you could have used that for every bridge and made the song like twice as long, but you're just like, I live weights, but I don't sweat. I go for a swim, but I don't get wet. And then it's just like, boom, it's gone. You, you drop the <laughs> perfect care. couplet. They don't give a fuck. 
this this has great interplay between the two of them like this is uh this is some of the best uh car and response on this song mm-hmm. yeah where it's like one of them is describing what the ghost is doing and then the the other one is the ghost and giving that pen replies like you can't because i'm already dead <laughs> can't hurt me <laughs> Wow, annotation on the tough ghost disappears for three days. This may be an allusion to Jesus Christ, who is dead for three days following his crucifixion and prior to his resurrection. Golly, you fucking think so? I love how every time Genius does something like this, they also have to add, like, the worst JPEG of Jesus. Like, yeah, that's in, a pretty in case bad. You don't know, in case you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Just in case. <laughs> yeah, and it is also, I think... Uh, it is also very light-skinned Jesus that they picked, of course. Oh, of course. course. You can't because I'm already dead. Spook answered wish of person asking him to say something earlier in this song. One line <laughs> earlier. Ghost replies cleverly like the, to previous uh, I, line. Yeah, I like the annotation. I actually like the... It's a comment on the annotation for I go for a swim but I don't get wet. It might be an allusion to walking on water like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I under, like, I mean, that's, that's actually just like a fun interpretation because like... Yeah. The the obvious implication is like, you know, he's not affected by his environment like the actual reference says. But, you know, bring back the Jesus. Why not? Yeah. I want to be the person yeah, who goes through every line of every song and just sees if there's Jesus there. <laughs> we love to do that. Uh, but, but yeah. Cause, Where's cause the crust? There's, there's <laughs> no point in explaining that uh, if you swim, you usually get wet. And by the way, uh, this, the, if, if, if you say if you, if you don't get wet, that means that... Um, you might be a ghost. You might be a ghost. You might do something that normal people can't do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like I just need to go through all of these annotations and mark the either the restates the line or the it's a stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we move into our our second ghost track with See Ghost right Mountain. Through. Ghost yeah. Mountain. From the fire, but I still froze when I saw the ghost. Oh, there was heat from the fire. This one has the squeaky synth at the beginning, right? Yeah. Um, I was the, for some reason, and this won't mean anything to you, Janusz, but Matt, does the, does the organ and guitar like together sound at all like the battle royale to you? Oh yeah, totally. I think they have the, (laughs) I think they both picked the same fart sound on their keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This was the cheap indie keyboard at the time. Honestly, it might just literally be the same keyboard. It might be, yeah. So the Battle sure, Royale sure was we... a, a Minneapolis band that uh, broke up like within a couple of years after they formed. They were all teenagers, and then uh-huh. a couple of them went on to form the band Night Moves. But no uh, they're, they're a band that only me and David have ever listened to. <laughs> yeah. They were never Ghost covered Mountain. by Pitchfork, unfortunately. I Yeah. This this riff at the beginning is so catchy. Like, that's, that's stuck in my head constantly. Yeah, I kind of want to just listen to sure. it right now. I might just I might just pop open the uh, the folder and just just give it a little spin. Uh huh. Yeah, it starts with that kind of crunchy drum sound, and then it goes wow 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 wow. 
it's yeah, it's like somebody is uh, holding down the 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 knob on their synth and turning the cutoff up and down. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's like it's it's kind of fun. This is something that's that's also remarked in the review. Um, it, it it gives all the songs a very like improvised quality because it very much seems like they're just fucking around with their synths at the start of all of the songs, and they just happen to move into a song afterwards. Yeah, yeah. And like they do this on the singles because like that's like the main thing I remember about the start of Jelly Bones is nothing but uh, synth fuck ups. But we'll get there. Yeah. The uh, the like starting and stopping hooks all the time is a thing that um, I feel like is coming back a little bit. This was also a thing that uh, Deerhoof has done the, their oh, yeah. entire career. Um, <laughs> like they're really good at writing hooks. They use them for about four bars and then don't revisit them at all throughout the rest of the track. Yeah. With with Deerhoof, it's definitely just like this is what happens when you take several virtuosos and put them in a room together. Yeah, like <laughs> whereas I wrote this, this is thing. like <laughs> this is just two guys who hate each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Could vocalist Nick Thorburn be an actress? The second line of the song indicates that he felt guilty in asserting the power of man over the power of nature. So apparently, he <laughs> affected the ghost's appearance in order to undo the harm he and his friends had caused without having Christ to appear sake. soft. And then there's like a big JPEG of like a forest with naturalism written in all caps in Times New Roman. <laughs> God. I love that. I really I really hate the fucking Canadian flag pr- planting JPEG that they put for the the first <sighs> annotation on this song. Oh. When we climbed to the peak, we planted oh a flag. Oh my god. I feel like the person who put this annotation made this image themselves. <laughs> that was, that's what it looks like. Yeah, so it's 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 two people planting a Canadian flag, but they're like it's photographed with the worst lighting. Like yeah, <laughs> you can't. It's like all dark, and the, the 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 person behind the person planting the flag, probably their partner, is like grabbing them from behind, and is probably making good. <laughs> like this looks like a holiday photo, but like yeah. <laughs> Common tradition done to signify the conquering of a country, landmass, or object in space. Thanks. Yeah, the 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 naturalist thing isn't doesn't seem like it's too far off. It just seems like a very like the whole album is about you know death and returning to the land almost. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's kind of all over it. It's very uh, it's very Dan Deacon Wham City verse. Yeah. About that, it's just like you know the humans aren't accepted here. We are the virus. Kind of thinking that was like. <laughs> That just seems like a very popular frame of thought that existed in the early 2000s. I mean, it still exists now, but I feel like people are, you know, more, uh, people more recognize that capitalism is the virus now. Humans yeah. are fine. Capitalism is the virus. <laughs> now, we in the understand. words of, of Montreal, we are nihilists with good imaginations. <laughs> God. I can imagine. I can imagine that both that that uh, that both Nick and Alden listen to a bunch of Huff Montreal. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, it, like you, you, you say, like, like the Elephant Six area was very like uh, was was kind of the the people who were exploring this sonic space a little bit mm. before they were, and I feel like of Montreal was the pop of the Elephant Six space. Yeah. So this was like yep. around the time that like. Uh, the the like famous of Montreal albums came out right like when they all they, like the yeah. the more famous ones started a little later like 2005 is when they were making were putting out their big stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But they this were was... they were nonetheless four albums deep yeah Sunland Crimson is 2005 uh, 
Satanic Panic is 2004, so it's yeah, 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 because like so, that, that, that era of of Montreal sounds more like this one than the early ones that are. That is like very Be- yeah, absolutely the, the Beatles esque first three albums. Oh yeah, and nothing needs to sound like the Beatles in the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you simply don't need it. Yeah, all right, we're I, up to we're up to ghost know. number I, three. I like early of Montreal, but you know, yeah, didn't have to do that. <laughs> We're getting to our third ghost. Sea yeah. ghost. the one that has the recorder fucking around at the beginning right like that <laughs> yep that also yeah, like just like two bars that's enough it's 20th century fox flute dot wave yeah <laughs> it really is um another great squanto annotation on this one uh it's talking like he has the uh, would divorce what was wet above is one of the lyrics and this guy is relating it to Nick Thorburn's actual divorce that he would have nine years later. Nine years later. This is, <laughs> this is an insane annotation. <laughs> Clearly, this has been building up for some time. <laughs> the parasite here is a metaphor for Nicholas Thorburn's lover. What? <laughs> I don't think it is. I no, think... At no it's other like... point on this album is there like references to relationships. That's, that's no, not, not the all. type of album. It's a personal. It's about per- personal relationships with with creativity and with death. Those are the only yeah. two things that are discussed on this album. The um, parasite the- here is a reference to Bong Joon Ho's 2019 film that would come out 16 <laughs> years later. Clearly, this has been long in the making. Uh, they, <laughs> like the kiss the divorce line. This is would divorce what was wet above, which like. He's, he's literally just saying he's saying yeah. the word separate in more words. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like this, he, he, you you took this metaphorical line literally. This annotator doesn't know that divorce can be used in other senses as like doesn't understand basic metaphors. Claims to be a genius. Oh my god, this person's li- <laughs> this person was literally genius staff. Fuck yeah! Oh jeez, he was genius staff in 2013 and 2014, which is when he wrote these annotations. Incredible. Really explains a lot. This tracks so much. Thank you, Squanto. I wonder if he's the I wonder if he's the same guy who um on the Das Racist line that says uh rap genius is white devil sophistry. Um Uh the genius annotation for that line is a rap genius staff's rapt response. (laughs) Like it's just an embedded YouTube video of their rap response to that line. I wonder if that was Squanto. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm just going to say that it's him. <laughs> yeah, we can credit Squanto for mm. We can credit everything. Squanto for that that extreme cringe. Yeah, Squ- Squanto keeps trying to squeeze the divorce thing, the relationship things into this song, but but it's all like a fucking stretch. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I love the, I love the, the last this annotation is, uh... on this song for my memory is so fucking unclear. And the annotation mm-hmm. is, in this verse, we can read, many things have betrayed me. One of them is his memory. <laughs> Thank you, Rigor Mortis 3. Walt, Walto marked this as restating the line. <laughs> like, I so, yeah. I really just love the imagery on this song. It's very much just like, 
babies first dying in the ocean imagery. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. it works. <laughs> yeah. You That's choked great. as you surface tangle in seaweed. This was just the lighthouse 2019. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robert Pattinson loved the unicorns famously. Honestly, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say, I have no idea if you're just making that up or if that's true. Like, knowing, <laughs> knowing his uh, death grips head, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's a big needle drop viewer. God. I'm sure he is. Oh, I don't even want to look up if uh, if Anthony has reviewed this album. I don't want to know. It, I don't, don't want to know, seems I don't like want to die. Seems, he seems like a squanto, is the thing. <laughs> like that's that's the vibe that I get from him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like, very I feel like clearly tries to be the new pitchfork or whatever. So yeah, it's like there's a couple of ways you can approach an album like this, and and one of the ways you can approach it is from like an overtly macho music reviewer perspective, and that is not the perspective I want anyone coming at this album with. Mm. These guys are singing in falsetto the whole fucking time. Right. It, it's the it's the sixties psychedelic baba song where, where the bridge is all just singing babas. They got uh-huh. babas, nanas, and doos. Yeah, this is feed the childrens. <laughs> the other the, the the one line of this song that I uh, keep singing to myself like randomly is what remained of the driving intent. Like that's I I cannot hear driving intent in a different intonation than the way it is on this song. Yeah, it's good. It's like these these are the songs that like they kind of worm their way deep down, but mm-hmm. they're not the ones that have like really stuck in my head over the years like hook wise. Yeah. But they're like yeah. a, they're just a they're a really nice set of songs. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of these are just like I hear like th- there's just like random lines of the song that stick with me mm-hmm. more than the entire song, which is like Whereas, like when I was doing my re-listen, the second yeah. Jelly Bones came on, I fucking activated. My mm-hmm. eyes went red like the memes, and I was, like, jutting down the streets. Jelly Bones <laughs> very much feels like the... It's the next song, yeah, so yeah, we can move on to that one. But, like, that song is so so much of, like, the single of the album, like, very obviously. Oh, yeah. It is. It is like the poppiest thing they've ever made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except maybe I. I was born a unicorn. I'd give those two probably the closest. Uh, mm. But like, yeah, no. It's 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 the it's the most their energies have managed to coalesce into poppiness. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into Jelly Bones a little bit. I woke him up, broke the news after everything was this this is like uh where this was the point at, at the album where i realized that the fart synth would in fact be in every track <laughs> I was like, all right, they, at this point, in this point in the album, it's got to be a conscious choice. It's not just something yeah. that they happen to have. Yeah, there was, a, I was watching a, a video of them, like, performing Tough Ghost, and Nicholas was just, like, really into, like, pushing that setting on the keyboard. Like, he really leaned into <laughs> that. Like, you you could just really tell that it's, that, that, that this is, this is the new shit for him. Oh, yeah. This is great. This has some Wait. of my favorite just, like, fucking around on the synths at the start. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a great riff. It's so good. <laughs> and then, yeah, Jelly Bones. It means nervousness. There you go. I annotated the whole fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> Drove up in my bone, Camaro. <laughs> this is a great wordplay. This is a great wordplay. <laughs> bone marrow is the flexible tissue in the interior of the bones. Camaro is a car manufactured by Chevrolet. Camaro and bone marrow equals bone Camaro. Thank you. Seven bone marrow votes. is the bone jelly. It's like, when it's you like come his up bones with... are all marrow. Does he yeah. have a jelly car? <laughs> I, I wouldn't want a Camaro made out of bone marrow. That's soft. No. <laughs> it wouldn't be very good. No, it wouldn't. It would have it would have uh, a lot of good crumple spots though. What if his bone Camaro is like driving up in your bone Camaro is just like walking when you don't have a car? Like <laughs> this, that's this literally me going car. to any. That's me going to any doctor's appointment. I literally just walk there. Yeah. Like am bro, I remembering I'm walking here? Am I remembering correctly that the Flintstones car was partially made out of dinosaur bones? Oh, that's a good one. Maybe that's what he means. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually just a Flintstones reference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at the album cover, you know, it's... Maybe. <laughs> we didn't talk about the album cover at all. It's it's very, like, colored pencil coloring page type of style. I yeah, did notice good. that the one on Genius says the Unicron, which is not what is on the one that I have. No, I wonder... I wonder if that was, like, legitimately a thing, or if this is just a bad Photoshop that somebody managed to sneak in here. I don't know because if I look at the if I look at the Spotify cover for this, it's much more like it feels much less like pencil sketch, you know? Like yeah, the uh, the reissue had different art. Oh, okay, yeah. Which is bad because like the original art was very good. So I'm Let glad that see. my uh, I'm glad that my copy is not a reissue pressing. Although the remaster does sound pretty nice. We haven't really been talking about the difference between them because, like, I didn't go and listen to them in that way. Yeah. But, um... I didn't the, listen to the, any of the bonus tracks or anything. Yeah, it was just... It was, like, a very, uh... It was a, it was a pretty hands-off remaster. It was just, like, uh... Just a re-leveling, maybe some... some A little bit of normalization. Like, just simple stuff. Like, they didn't, mm -hmm. they didn't remove any of the character from it. There's still, like, scratchiness on the samples. You could still hear the, um the keyboards like clipping out of the of the waveform a few times when they get really nutty with them <laughs> with mm -hmm. the fart sounds but yeah this this song is like so many goddamn good hooks in this one yeah. this one is the singing along at the at the show song oh yeah everyone sang jelly 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 bones yeah so good and then yeah <laughs> no, the like the this, guitar this, line, yeah. the guitar riff that goes behind Sun, you've got a full-blown case of what is known as Jelly Bones. <laughs> like, it's really fucking going off. <laughs> I want to hear that that track, uh, that guitar track just as its own solo track. <laughs> just out of context. Oh, yeah. No, I'd love to get the access to the stems for this album. Yeah. You can get really nutty with some of the stuff on this album. Mind you, there's a lot of like really good instrumental riffs that have no vocals over them, so you could easily sample this album if you wanted to. Yeah. But like I... that guitar, that guitar's buried under the under Nick Thorburn's very whispery falsetto. Yeah. I would love to see what the recording process for this album was, like if they were like 
how many of the riffs they had like pre-written and how much of it was just like fucking around in studio and like well like a lot of these songs they had uh they had two like early like demo eps yeah and the majority of the songs on this album were from those uh jellybones being one of them so like three inches of blood was the name of the the ep yeah jellybones was on there everything actually everything else on three inches of blood wasn't on this album <laughs> but they had uh they had another ep that had one of the other songs on it speaking of uh remixes and the unicorns does anybody else remember the corn gang <laughs> no nobody remembers the corn gang because they never actually put out an album no they just appeared on other other people's uh remix albums yeah like i think they did a ratatat remix and uh, they did a Beck remix for uh, for Guerrilito. Yeah, and then uh, the island's first album had a remixed Corn Gang song on it. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. This was this was uh, the hip hop project of Nick Thorburn and Jamie Thompson for like a couple months before Islands started. Yeah. So yeah, where there's a will, there's a whalebone. By Islands was a Corn Gang song. Yeah, I think Rough Gem was too, actually. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Is either that or Rough Gem was an old unicorn song. That's also yeah. possible. I can't remember off the dome. But uh, God, yeah, that album is like, it does just kind of feel like another, it's a unicorn's album without the Alden Penner um, interplay on it. Yep. Like, that's yeah. That's basically it. Because like, it, that album also has uh, has Jamie on it. It has Richard Reed Perry on it. It yeah. also has Spencer Krug and Dan Beckner and Jim Guthrie. Fucking everyone is on that album. <laughs> Every Canadian they could find. Like, Bus Driver does the rap verse on Where There's a Will, There's a Whalebone. Yeah. Wide. God, we need to cover that album at some point. <laughs> it got the at NM, this, right? I think so, yeah. That, at the at the show that, um, that James and I went to that we mentioned previously, I think Despot came back out and did the, the rap verse on Where There's a Will, There's a Whalebone. Oh, fuck yes! <laughs> <laughs> I would I would kill to have a recording of that, like a professional <laughs> recording of that. Mostly because like yeah. Despot is allergic to releasing an album. Yeah, he's too good he's, for that. He still hasn't done it. <laughs> it's been so long. Yeah, he's going on like 15, 16 years being out there. I think. Yeah. Well, this uh, the next song we have is uh, it's short. It's a pretty short one. <laughs> yeah, the clap. <laughs> Please yeah. clap. Please clap. <laughs> this they... song is Jeb. Please clap. I love. <laughs> yeah. I love the clap though. Like the, for a one minute twenty seven seconds jam, it's great. It has like one line of lyrics that they repeat a few times. It's uh, the unicorn's the own strange take on if you're happy and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk off. Thanks, motion. Squanto. <laughs> Piece of shit. This is where they briefly <laughs> become a garage rock band. Yeah, no, yeah, I, like, yeah, yeah. I, I almost wish they explored this a little more. It's such a good sound for them. It's and a they, fun space for them. And they literally yeah. spend one minute and 20 seconds, seconds on it. And then never do it again. <laughs> Too bad. It's, I, I think it, but I think it works great as an interlude between like the big songs of the album, I guess, Jelly Bones and Child Star. 
Yeah. Child um, Star literally big. Yeah. Child Star is their Bohemian Rhapsody. It really is. <laughs> All right, let's talk about it then. That this song is split up into l- lyrics by child star and lyrics by fan. Child star and yeah. fan. <laughs> not not a fan anymore, actually. So <laughs> this is one of the ones we were uh, talking about, where it actually features an argument between Alden and and Nick. Yeah. Although apparently it was it was inspired by a uh, a bad experience meeting past his prime Corey Heim. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Is it uh, Heim or Haim? Is he, is he I Haim? I believe it's Haim, yeah. He's it, Haim. He was, uh, the band is Haim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Corey, Corey Haim was one of the, the two famous Corys who were like 80s teen heartthrobs in movies. Okay. In 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 American in American Hollywood movies. The oh, other one was like Corey, largely Corey been Feldman. before our time as far as the movie's actually releasing. Oh, yeah. so him and the other Corey were both in The Lost Boys. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so the the star is played by Alden and the fan is played by Nick, right? I'm pretty sure. I yeah, honestly, I, so. I I have I cannot keep their voices apart. Like they <laughs> they do a uh, great job as yeah. Alden's is a lot in more the same range. Alden's yeah. is a lot more breathy. I, I I I do like this is this is one thing that's pointed out in uh, in one of the two reviews. I actually don't remember which one it is, but it's like most. Um, like songwriter foils you can they they'll generally have like different voices and different styles yeah. but like nick and alden just like finish each other's sentences all the time yeah which like when you consider like how much they ended up like hating each other on tour it's almost like kind of it's kind of funny how well their chemistry works it's incredible it's incredibly good chemistry they're just like, they're I... one person on half these songs yeah <laughs> like yeah i i can't really think of any other band that does so much like finishing off each other's sentences on on an album mm-hmm. like this this type of interplay because yeah like usually it's gonna be like fucking the johns on they might be giants that it's like pretty easy to tell tell them apart right yeah oh there's not a lot enough, of people who, there's uh, a lot of people who really can't but <laughs> yeah not enough um popular uh indie music these days um not that that word even means anything anymore um but uh, it, not enough of it to me seems like it has this kind of humor uh, to it, yeah. um, like where they're willing to just be silly and record it. Yeah, yeah this it's like- is so. This is so much fun to listen. Like, the, I, I I love this song. It's probably my favorite on the album. Like this. Uh, oh yeah, the jams on this song are un unmatched. Yeah. Because, like, you look at the the second half of the song and you see all, like, the... If you're looking at the lyrics, you see all the star-fan interactions. You have to notice, like, those paragraphs are, like, a minute and a half apart each because yeah. they just, like, jam on all the keyboards between them. Um, and, yeah, no, that, that was... You were reminding me of something I was thinking uh, coming into this album is that, like, a noted indie musician now is, like, so likely to just be someone with rich parents... Yep. Yeah. And you can tell so much that these guys aren't that. 
<laughs> That's such a good point. Yeah, you you like. Well, yeah. it's like, oh my god, there there have been so many like noted instances of like this new indie artist that's suddenly fucking everywhere and then you look into it for like two seconds and like oh her dad's kevin klein mm-hmm. <laughs> like i yeah. like frankie cosmos but like her dad's kevin klein that's the only reason that her music is out there someone yeah. made a deal with someone and then it happened yep and it's like like that there's so much things come out just fully formed and fully polished that it's almost amazing that something this amateurish and like not as an insult just like this is unquestionably amateurish music. Could yeah, make that's like, like, a, the, like a pretty big splash. Yeah, I, I, I don't think if it were like more professional, it would probably not have the staying impact that it has, or it wouldn't have like made. No, that. it would it would be too polished. Like it, yeah. the edges are what really make it work, right? Yeah. And like, I mean, if you want to hear what polished unicorns sound like, then that's what Islands is. <laughs> I guess. Pretty much, yeah. Which like. I think this album has more staying power than most things Islands have put out. And, like, the things that would be pretty close would be, like, the first Islands album. Mm-hmm. Which, like, it's like a backdoor Unicorns Corn Gang album, given that he just reused a lot of his old demos for it. Just re-recorded them in, like, you know, a more polished studio, and didn't have Alden for interplay, so it's more just him. And, like, I'm sure we're going to cover Islands at some point. Um, I did check oh, yeah. Return to the Sea was Best New Music. It got less mo- points than this one, but nonetheless. <laughs> um, I, and Arm's Way definitely was not. They oh, immediately no, it went was down not. to 6.2. They did not like that album. I liked that album a lot better than they did. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good, too. This I, I only star me- is wearing short, short, shorts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about some of these lyrics. I really love them. This... It's so good. Like this. Is the w- there a photo of me on your wall in short, short shorts or zip down jeans? Do you look up at night and wish you were me under the spotlight? Are you visceral, viscous? Do you want to make love to my sweet visage? <laughs> and like, then pretend it's you. Like, it's it paints this child star in such a, s- such a bad light. Like, it's honestly amazing yeah. how how mean they were to this to Corey yeah. Hyman, apparently <laughs> <laughs> and yeah like this and like the next song are like their meditations on fame which are yep. like always they're always a funny thing to put on your debut album but even so funnier good. if you're putting them on your debut album when you never make anything else afterwards yep. yeah <laughs> yeah I, I was thinking about how this is like conceptually this uh, a couple of songs on this album seem like an album that like a band would make after they had their big breakup and then toured for two years and then they make a somber reflection on fame and how it affected yeah. their lives um which is which then you like listen to and then you're like well i can't relate to this one <laughs> uh, but, but, but no on instead they one, were they were like fucking around by... in the studio yeah and had barely yeah. toured at all yeah and it's, yeah, no, yeah, the interplay really is so fun. Come out of them. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, it, any song that ends with the two lead singers just screaming I hate you at each other. Um <laughs> Or sorry, they're like casually whispering I hate you to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate I hate I hate you. <laughs> just yeah, replace I, the the outro of Slint's Good Morning Captain with this. <laughs> it's the opposite. I love how much the interplay between star and fan uh is like yeah not witty at all like it's just the 
you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. <laughs> it's, it's not an argument. It's really just like childish bickering. Yeah. Here are some words that rhyme with Corey. Glory. Story. <laughs> allegory. Montessori. Montessori. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that is the end of side A. Or as it is called on the, on the vinyl, uh, side not ready. Mm, we're not ready yep. to die yet. Uh, when I when I was when I was playing the the we we never did it but for I own the vinyl I do own the vinyl we didn't hey, do it before we started you have the vinyl <laughs> I have the vinyl I have the non reissue oh I, I think it was still a reissue but it was wasn't the remastered version mm. yeah just uh, so a repressing it's, on, it's just a repressing and it's on pink vinyl it looks real good the art is huge and beautiful because it's like it's really well done art yeah. And then uh, side A is called side not ready for the opening track. And then side B is called side ready for the closing track. Um, but yep. I forgot how that went and played them backwards. So I actually listened to side B before side A. <laughs> what, is, what kind of experience is that to start with let's get known and, and don't try to start? <laughs> let's, get yeah. no- let's get known as a weird track to start on. It's... But it also like conceptually kind of works. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get known. Let's get known If we keep it up We'll show the haters It's gonna be soon, not later This opens yeah. with like a, a radio recording. Yeah, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what the uh, the context of this interview is, but uh, it it's like <laughs> if you'd like to get more details on that, call one eight hundred. A lot of strange people involved in it. You know, there's people who are really heavily into the more satanic aspects of it and really kind of violent aspects, which I'm not going to share with you two. Like that that could be about anything if it's from yeah. like the 80s or early 90s. <laughs> Yeah, it's that, about that Dungeons could, and Dragons. I, that's yeah, probably, that's what that I could literally be about Pokemon. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> yep. Let's get and down. Then, yeah, if we no, keep it up, we'll show the haters. Yeah, it's it's very much like, uh, it's a fun thing to reference on your album about death. Mm-hmm. The unicorns were all busy playing Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire when they recorded this album. <laughs> <laughs> I was Good thinking, games. like, when I, when I first listened to this, I was like, really, uh taken taken out by them saying we'll show the haters because like i listened to it in 2015 and it was like this 10 year old album and i was like oh they were already saying that back then <laughs> <laughs> yeah it wasn't it wasn't as big of a phrase yeah at least at least yeah. outside of hip-hop but you know yeah, it was basically just a hip-hop thing the unicorns are poking fun at the idea of making it big time in a band. They use the ever-prominent term haters facetiously, as if they are rappers trying to fend off naysayers. In actuality, the <laughs> unicorns care more about the art than they do their fame. You know? I'm literally gonna stuff Squanto into a locker. I'm not sure that's <laughs> true about the unicorns and this line. No, I'm sure they, they, I mean, they, they just didn't like touring. Yeah. Yeah. They wanted to get known. And like yeah, a lot of the the a lot of the lyrics, of course, are very facetious on the entire album. But it's just like t- to me, it just feels like that's the language they speak. Like you know, 
they're just they're just joking around a little bit with everything, but it's fine. I it's it's such a it's a weird thing to say to be like they're they're saying it as if they are rappers, and it's like no, not everyone uses like African American vernacular to like make fun of African American yeah. vernacular. <laughs> Sometimes you just kind of pick up a phrase from the music you listen to, and like Nick Thorburn listened to a lot of hip hop. You can just say "Let's show the haters" without it being a commentary on hip hop. Unless you're Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift was probably just being racist. <laughs> Racism in my Treadwife music? <laughs> <laughs> if we work really hard, we can buy some matching clothes for our live shows. It's funny because so funny. They, they literally did. They had like white and pink outfits that they wore at their shows. Amazing. I, I just, um, I don't know. If we work real hard, we can buy some clothes. It's so funny. <laughs> buy some matching clothes specifically. Yeah. But like, yeah. Um, I just remember I, I was looking at like uh, one of their like tour schedules, which are insane. You can see how they like, even just like, even if they were playing normal shows and were getting along, like the schedule they were playing was like relentless and they were playing like they played in Sudbury, which is my hometown of 150,000 people. Um, and they played like the upstairs of an Italian restaurant. <laughs> like yeah. the, that, they were they were playing the upstairs. They were playing the venue of where my uh, the gym that I worked at had our Christmas party. Nice. <laughs> that, that was they weren't like playing like big or good venues they weren't even playing the biggest venue they weren't even playing like the biggest like normal venue to play in like downtown Sudbury just they whatever they the, could find they were playing the upstairs of an Italian restaurant the Hollywood only time upstairs that bands, medical school the only time that play, that bands really play there is when there's festivals in town and you like you know need to maximize venue space yeah but, like there are several other venues downtown that would be more normal places for a band to play and they did not play those they played the upstairs of the italian restaurant venue the matching called- clothes thing um like do you can you think of a lot of bands currently that do you like matching outfits on stage not everyone could be as cool as devo Kraftwerk, and poly six uh-huh <laughs> the white stripes um, i guess was, uh, yeah yeah white stripes there, there was a band um that was that was in the Wham City Collective back in the mid two thousands, uh, called um, Nuclear Power Pants, and I saw them open. <laughs> I saw them open for Dan Deacon once, and they um, all their backup bands wore like uh, like black light neon green um, polygonal shark heads. Fuck um, yes. <laughs> and so it was just like a really visual component to this band, and like I feel like. A lot of bands don't have it, have that sort of visual gimmick anymore. I, th- I feel like there's plenty of bands that have like visual gimmicks, but I don't know if they're so much matching. Because like, yeah. if I'm thinking of like bands with visual gimmicks, I'm thinking of like Twerp, and they play with yeah. like big ass animal heads on, right? And like robot costumes, but like they're all different. They're all wearing different yeah. costumes. Matching clothes is a very old aesthetic. Like mm-hmm. I feel like they're, they're specifically invoking like Beatles boy band esque attire with that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the ants on the floor. They work real hard, lifting three times their mass and sometimes more. <laughs> Such a just like a fun cheeky line. <laughs> yeah. So what do you say? It's all on the line. I am just a little ant. I cannot change this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I also love the line. Let's have two spotlights shining with all our work shown. Yeah, that, that that's very um, 
That's very informative of the band dynamic. Uh huh. The band that has three members. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nobody Although cares I, about I, this as, drama. as far as I could, as far as I could tell, Jamie wasn't like an official member of the band until they were touring. Although he was like on the recording. Yeah. Because he didn't write anything for the album. Yeah, from what I can I, tell, right. the the like EPs they had before uh, had only the two of them, and then they got mm-hmm. the drama to make the make them more into real songs, I guess. Yeah, and then also to tour because they weren't gonna yeah. they weren't gonna they might be giant style tour at the drum machine. They put up a with rhythm section one ad, <laughs> and then got their they got their buddy Jamie on the tambour. Yeah, yep. I, I love their I love their band names because. Because, like, they all have, like, nicknames within the band. So, like, Alden is, instead of being Alden Penner, he's Alden Ginger. And then Nick Di- Nick Thorburn is Nick Diamonds. And then Jamie uh, Thompson is Jem Tambour. Jem I love tambour. the drums. <laughs> His name is literally I Love Drums. Incredible. <laughs> or, sorry, yeah, I, I see- Love Drum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you just naming things that are in the office and saying you love them, Brick? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Penn Badgley-ass name. <laughs> Nick Neil Diamonds is pretty good too. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. I think he actually did put something out as Nick Diamonds at one point. Yeah, um, he has a bajillion like artist names, as does Alden. Right. And then like Jamie is like the one through line because like he's shown up on every like new thing that Alden's released, and he's on like half of the Islands albums. He like keeps leaving and joining Islands. Mm. <laughs> Well, that makes sense to have like a drummer around that both of you can get along with. So uh. yeah, I, I I assume that him being in the band is the only reason they survive long enough to yeah. tour because he's friends with both of them and had to like mediate. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think... believe he was the auspitus to their uh, Caligus relationship. Oh my god, that's a pull. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. Want <laughs> Stephanie this. just gave me a glare from across the room. I fucking hate this. <laughs> I'm not going to not bring up Homestuck. You're not not wrong. <laughs> I feel like when we when we eventually get uh, Elizabeth on the show, uh, she'll have probably at least as much to say about Homestuck as you do. Mm. Sometimes Homestuck comes up. It's Has Pitchfork reviewed the Homestuck soundtrack? No, he should. <laughs> He, they should. Mr. Pitchfork. <laughs> Mr. Pitchfork. John Pitchfork. Pit, pitch me a fork. <laughs> pitch me right. a fork. The cutest man, man, car door hook hand. <laughs> and um, then uh, we're get we're getting into like we're getting into their intro track. I keep yeah. I keep calling it the title track, even though it's not the title of the album. It's not <laughs> yeah, the I title know. of the band. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I I love um any band that makes a. A song, a theme song that's titled after their name. Yeah, mm. any band with a theme song is good. It's a, yeah. it's a good gimmick. Yeah. So this was I was born a unicorn. about one of them i'm trying to remember which one it was it's not the I, the highwayman had their first song was hide the highwayman so that's good <laughs> they, the might be giants, they might be giants they might be giants they might be giants they might be giants on like not even their first album right 
No, not famously not on the <laughs> album. They might be giants. It's on yeah. Flood. <laughs> they may have recorded it like back on their one one of their old demo tapes or something before Flood came out. Mm-hmm. The thing you got to know about They Might Be Giants is that they have like literally over a thousand songs. So yeah, they yeah. are they are the they are the good boys that make the music. Mm-hmm. Quantity yeah, is in their uh, mission statement. Yeah, uh, I really like the um, the the way this is put up on uh, on Genius because they have uh, Nick and Alden's lines like differently formatted. So they have all yeah. the diamonds, all the Nick diamonds lines are are normal, and all the Alden ginger lines are in italics. Yeah, I mm-hmm. wish they had done that for the entire album. Cause yeah, no, it would be very helpful. It would be great to know which lines in the entire thing are sung by whom. Like, I feel like on like hip hop lyrics, it's pretty standard to annotate which one of them is uh, doing which verse. So I don't know why they could. Yeah, the, do the it only on thing that's one. different with this one is that like they're just they're trading lines. Yeah. they're not even like doing separate verses. Yeah, um, and this is another one with a good cape with a questionably kayfabe argument in it (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one i'm this one feels like they're like because on child star it's clearly like about someone else um yeah but this this one's in character yeah yeah for this one it this feels like they're exaggerating their own arguments or they're like Mm -hmm. and so yeah the way the the way the song starts is with like the most 2003 jangly indie guitar line which i love so so much (laughs) It's pretty good. Like, it just sounds so great. And then, like, uh, Jamie's drum beat just being, like, single snare hits. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I we, think... we love we love that. Yeah, there's a... I, I found an article on selftitledmag.com where they asked um, the unicorns, it says in the title... Uh, it's just Alden. <laughs> it's just Alden. They just asked Alden <laughs> to say something about each song, and she says... Nothing about like he says like one line about most of them, but <laughs> yeah, I like his his description for let's get known is just another kind of prayer. Okay, yeah. thanks, Alden. <laughs> I think but he yeah. said on one of the songs that maybe the snare was too much. I'm trying to find on uh, which one it was. Like he, he said about one of the sounds that uh, oh yeah, it's, he says on Child Star maybe the shaker didn't need to be there the whole time, but it yeah, was in yeah, the yeah, overhead yeah. mic, so we couldn't. It was in the overhead it. mic. And then, yeah, for, for I Was Born a Unicorn, since I have this page open, I might as well read it. Uh, I love high-life music, and this style of guitar playing is my expression of appreciation. <laughs> Which, like, what does I he guess talk that kind like of He Oh, yeah, he, <laughs> he does not talk <laughs> like a person. Uh, I was discussing with a friend last night about the advancement of our music from part to part without return, or at least rare returns to early motifs. So that's, like, something that both the reviewers notice, is, like, they will throw a hook down and never come back to it. Um... It is a five-course meal prepared with great <laughs> care, and each course presented with attention to the guests, naming the origins of ingredients and printing each and pairing each course with the appropriate wine. Exactly what I was um, gonna damn. say about I this want, song. I want someone to who has never heard this song before to read that paragraph and then go listen to the song. I can't believe Although this I, album one chopped. <laughs> like that is an insane thing to say about the song that opens. I was born a unicorn. I missed the arc, but I could have sworn you'd wait for me. It's so funny. This, the lyrics on this song are very funny. Yeah. yeah. Then how first come bridge. all the other unicorns are dead? God, it's so good. <laughs> put, they is... put such a snotty affect on their face, on their uh, on their voice when they'd say that. This, I write this the song. song I write the songs. The... You say I'm doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> the song is kind of the reason. So 
for a for a while before I start before I actually listened to uh, Crooked Rain, I thought that Pavement is a funny band that make funny songs, <laughs> and it's it's mainly because I only knew the knew the songs uh, Cut Your Hair, and that reminded me of I was born a unicorn for whatever reason. Oh yeah, Cut sure. Your Hair. Yeah. Th- this song seems like it, it it's built out of the same mold. A lot right? of a lot of talking over each other, yeah. a lot of like jangly guitar sounds. I mean, like every indie rock band in the like the early two thousands and late nineties owes something to Pavement. Yeah, like that's that that's like a that's a result that's like not because of Pitchfork, even though Pitchfork was like a big Pavement fan. But like that was just what the scene was. It's like you couldn't be a band and not owe something to REM in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 so it's so funny to think about like the '90s music scene in uh, in Athens, Georgia, and it's REM and then the entire Elephant Six Collective. <laughs> you yeah. can't imagine anything so different, but yet like they definitely fed into each other in ways. And then also the B52s winding down in Athens. Yeah. <laughs> God. So I mean, they, yeah. <laughs> one of them is on Shiny Happy People. It's true. Yeah. So Nick says we're never gonna stop, and then Auden says I think I want to stop. There we go. You can just end the album right there. <laughs> I think I want to stop, guys. I write the song. I write the songs. Say I'm doing it wrong. You are doing it wrong. <laughs> we want one us. Okay, I'll do push-ups. <laughs> like his voice is so fucking funny. And then um, I think one one way that you could like. Uh, you can really contrast the way that these two guys write their write their verse write their lines. Nick going put your crystals under my pillow, and then Alden saying send your epistle <laughs> to my bedfellows. Not a human man. No, definitely not. <laughs> no one has either said has ever said either of those words before. <laughs> I love to put your crystals. Yeah, really get those plosives in Kennedy. there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God. And then yeah, the break. When dreaming beasts are dying down on out, they're there. If we agree they're there, they're there. Alive and shorn. Sure. I think I of, anytime anyone has ever said they're there before, I will always follow it with, if we agree they're there, they're there. <laughs> Alive and shorn. Because it's just a good line. It's good. Mm-hmm. I stop believing in you. You stop believing in me. This is kind of like... Um... Terry Pratchett concept, like for fans. I, it's of. that, and it's also like this is one spot where like the uh, the genius annotation does just seem correct. Uh huh. What do they say? It's 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 referring to uh, Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. Mm. I always thought unicorns were fabulous monsters too. I never saw one alive before. To which the unicorn replies, "Well, now that we've seen each other, if you'll believe in me, I'll believe in you." Is that oh, a bargain? Beautiful. <laughs> like that's just that's just a fun Lewis Carroll line. That might be a yeah. Lewis Carroll reference there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's good. I like it. Yeah. To go back to the the Beatles thing we mentioned earlier, um, it does feel like this was uh, recorded using a lot of like '60s uh, production techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, like it does the stereo panning of the vocals, like oh, completely yeah. to the left and completely to the right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which is something that they really loved to do back in those days. Oh yeah, in my like Beatles listening like teenage years when I was a uh, uh, born in the wrong generation guy, um, <laughs> I, that was like because I had didn't even have music on my phone, but I had like I didn't have I didn't have an iPod because we didn't have like that 
money but they had like a no-name mp3 player that had like a ton of beatles songs on it and i was like really annoyed oh, yeah. by how the did you have one of those like old sony mp3 players that are like a triangular prism and had like 128 <laughs> megabytes of space <laughs> it didn't have more yeah it might have it might have even had 256 but not more than oh that. wow <laughs> you went you you really you really went out you could put the halo <laughs> one and halo two soundtracks on there uh-huh <laughs> mine just had yeah. the halo 2 soundtrack <laughs> and then you could get ipod and get a thousand songs wow Damn. who know who knew there was even that many songs yeah definitely I mean, not tim apple definitely <laughs> not tim apple that's a lot of music that's like but yeah that's most obviously poppy song on the like one of the most obviously poppy songs on the album like just full of hooks and then we start getting into the album denouement <laughs> We're the unicorns, and we're people, too. Great stuff. All right, now we got Tough Love. Tough Love. It's time to decide. This is the least poppy song on the album. I think it's my favorite, though. It's really good. First of all, it has pan flute and fiddle. Yeah. Yeah. How can you say? How could you say anything bad about a song that has pan flute and fiddle on it? It's where they started turning into islands a little bit. Yeah, like just kind of like a almost like a, there's a lot of hip hoppy affect, other than like the one line that's literally just rapped. Yeah. And then it's a lot of mumbling after the rap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I always think of the, the melody of the, what do you picture makes a frame? What you do every day is the same. Turn off the lights and shake your hips. Let's make like a couplet, like two pairs, two of, pairs lips. of lips. <laughs> the singing is it's like, good. this This is the song where like their vocals are the most like dissonant to each other. Like it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like they're um, the harmonies on the pop goes yeah. the ceiling of routine, pop goes the feeling of sitting. Like they are not well done harmonies, but it works. No, it's perfect though. It's perfect the way the way it is not well done. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I say this a lot, but sometimes people who are good at singing are boring to listen to. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes you have to sing a little bad. Like yeah. it's very yeah. it's very clearly deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, like, Alden's doing, like, a just, like, a straight falsetto of those lines, and then Nick's just going all over the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. the Switching between the chest voice and the head sitting. voice a lot. Yeah, I mean, that's what they do over this whole album. Yep. <laughs> this album has a lot of head voice on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's time to decide. We'll make it or we die. Do you think that's the theme on the album? It might be. This line could refer to the possible theme of the album, says the annotation. The possible theme of dying on the album that has like three ghosts and starts with ready to die and you know, ends with ready to die and starts with don't want to die. Maybe it's a yeah. theme. I don't know. The death that's theme another, on the album may another... as well. The, they may as well have made Mount Erie by Mount Erie for how much death is on this album. <laughs> sure is, right? <laughs> Another just, like, like, great hook below the it's time to decide we make it or we die. Like, just, ah, great. Yeah, for, like, one one, line. (laughs) Yeah, and then the one wrapped line that they just throw in there. Hey, nuclear nuclear war war in a a hotbed of trouble. Make with the penance or a pen on the double. It's so... (laughs) It it, it shouldn't work. Like, 
it sounds like the corniest it's, it's shit cringy. to have like a white indie band and have like rap lines on it but it's so good well see the thing is like they don't make the mistake of doing a full verse of it yeah mm-hmm. and it's also just funny to hear uh nick doing the the religious sounding lines because those are usually alden's flavor mm-hmm. it almost seems like he's making fun of him a little it sounds like it sounds like it yeah make with the penance repent on the double like i love the wobble he puts in his voice for that he sounds yeah. like a street preacher yeah that's he, why they don't make the they don't make the same mistake of like uh, like Who Kill, for example, where they get a little bit too far into the like appropriation of uh, a non-white musical style and yeah. just kind of do it a little bit off. Yeah. Do you think yeah, this I song mean, might be about dying? It might be about dying. It might be. I love the way the song ends too. Clean the egg, don't make me beg. Save us. <laughs> save us. Because <laughs> it's like that. The the clean the egg following save it with the face. Egg on your face. How did the annotator not catch that? That's very obvious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're embarrassed save us we're embarrassed because we just had a rap line <laughs> we did it with a straight face i i'm really surprised that no annotator jumped in and saying saying something like crazy about nick thorburn prefers clean eggs <laughs> uh, i also just wanted to point out a line can't you see you've got honorable mention can't you see you've got no pension plan mood damn yeah that's capitalism He's talking about the dissolution and the underfunding of the Canadian pension plan under successive liberal governments. Damn, it's true. It's true. Damn. We, we'd had 10 years of liberals Canadian. at that point. Going down in smoke and flames. Going down and there's no one to blame. I can't believe there's no annotations on that line. Like, that's... You can do so much about how it's religious imagery, maybe, the smoke and the flames, and that it's mm-hmm. apocalyptic, you know... Relating the apocalypse to the the ending of your band is like an old an old timey bit that they're clearly doing. <laughs> yeah. And yet yeah. no one no one says nothing about it. All right, we we're moving now now to inoculate the innocuous. Inoculate the innocuous. Star cells for hidden substance, but no flavors and God, I wish I could get a fucking inoculation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I right, gamers? N- Nick Thorburn. Uh, I don't know if Nick Thorburn uh, is uh, still living in Canada at this point, but. Uh, if he is, good luck getting one of those uh, one of those sweet jabs. Mm. Yeah, good fucking luck. I don't think he is, but either way, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I oh, love Squanto's annotation on this one. <laughs> Small doses daily, <laughs> absorbed Christ. and collected in the glands and fatty tissues over time. Over time. So the song's called "Inoculate the Innocuous," obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but yeah, Squanto. Many drugs, including the Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, are stored in the fat cells of humans. It's not about weed, you dumb fucking stoner. (laughs) The fucking image they attach to this. Oh, yeah, like the fucking heady nug they put on here. This looks disgusting. (laughs) That's actually just mold. He pulled that out of his wall. (laughs) This is, honestly, like, the cops that came to our school to... uh, tell us that uh that drinking is a great gateway to weed and weed is a gateway to hard drugs so shouldn't even start 
Like they Uh should just have shown this image and that would have done all the work. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want these. It's it's one of those pictures uh, that like the cops post on their Twitter accounts saying like, this is a thing we recovered off the street. (laughs) Well, they stole, they they got Davy Jones's gun. And then (laughs) this, 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 this piece of Photoshop right here. Yeah. A pistol covered, a pistol covered in coral. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. On the next line, this, Annotator. I don't have the name of the annotations, by the way, because I'm not logged in on Genius. Um, it's not oh, showing yeah. me it for this one. Oh, no, yeah, it, it's partially Squanto. Okay. Okay, yeah, there's two contributors. Yeah, for the next yep. one, there's two contributors, and it continues the line of, like, inane medical facts that this one is like much. It's definitely what he's going for. He definitely just learned what the pupillary sphincter is. Yeah. And then decided to use the line somewhere in the asshole of my eye. Like, that is the one-to-one connection. I don't mm-hmm. want an anatomic drawing of the asshole of your eye, you know? No, we didn't need that. Uh, the speaker is taking pleasure in watching someone cry. I didn't, I didn't think that the, that the you in that line was referring to another person. No, I don't think so. I feel like he's definitely... Like, I feel like that's just when you, a human, cry. Yeah, I think that's like the neutral you, like the... Yeah, yeah it, they, they, it just seems to completely misread this line. I don't think the the unicorns are taking pleasure in crying. In others, in, in no. others crying, I mean. They're not like, yeah. I'm the kind of guy who laughs at the funeral. <laughs> yeah, you can't understand what he means, but you soon will. The asshole of my eye is when I wake up in the morning and my cat's ass is right in my face. Ooh. Oh yeah, that's, that's when I wake up and Nanny wants to get fed. It's nothing but whole. <sighs> yeah, just right, right there. Right there. We love our cats. Flavorful. Beautiful. Yeah, this- <laughs> Bananas help me unwind. Watermelon makes it awesome. Watermelon makes it awesome. <laughs> That's what I'm always saying about watermelon. <laughs> Squanto says bananas contain a protein called tryptophan, which when consumed, the human body converts into serotonin, which makes you feel relaxed. Shut the fuck up, Squanto. He's literally <laughs> just being random. <laughs> Very yeah. curved banana. Squanto is... Squanto is having an epic bacon moment here. <laughs> Banana. Yeah, no, like, they kind of just... <laughs> true. This song's actually about minions. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. We should we should uh, call Max real quick. <laughs> yeah, but like, reflect on your absence. Den- genuflect in my presence. Remove your abscess. They say it's cancer. He's literally just saying words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love to, I love don't to worry, put a don't line worry in my song it. about how... Uh, I love to eat a donut, and then there's gonna be like a genius annotation about how which sugars a donut contain that uh, makes you kick off that serotonin and why you like like you don't need that information. No. When when you have the munchies for donuts, it means weed. <laughs> it does mean weed. It means funny weed. Um, the the instrumental of this song, um, it's a lot less uh, farty than the rest yeah. of the album. Uh, it almost is is like kind of smooth. Uh, it's kind of like a smoother indie rock. Uh, it almost sounds a little bit. It, it sounded a little bit like Pinback to me on my most recent listen. I can see that a little bit. Yeah, honestly, yeah. don't care that much for this song. Um, like out of order, it's a is, little long. Yeah, this is like yeah. the song where it's like we're getting into the final stretch of the album, and I see that the next song is a banger, so I want to get to that one. <laughs> I don't. I don't skip yeah. it because all the songs are very short, but like. You know, if I had to, like, this is probably my least favorite on the album. Oh, it is five minutes long, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, unlike Child Star, it really pushes its five yeah. minutes. 
You can't have the line, the asshole of my eye in the first 30 <laughs> seconds and want me to stick around for the whole five minutes. Sorry, Nick. But but they can ask really nicely. They can. Will you will you please, sir, stay and listen to my asshole song? <laughs> this is this is where I'm the asshole. I don't even remember what that what song that was any, anymore, but I remember that was uh, an annotation. Yeah. And then we got uh, Les O. Oh, because there's a lot of O's. I don't know. That that is probably why it is called that, but it also just means the bones. Oh, okay, bones. That's that French, baby. Yeah, I didn't grow up uh, needing to learn French. Uh, like I could have chosen French as my high school language, but uh, I, I went with German instead, which didn't give me a whole lot of uh, Canadian indie rock experience. Mm. Yeah, you need the French to understand the Canadian indie rock when they put French in there sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it happens and I mean, sometimes. look, it did make you, it did help you understand uh, all the great Kraftwerk lyrics. So, <laughs> yeah, you can listen to the Kraftwerk in their original intended German. So, yeah, I think you're that's really, true. Now you know what. Fun, Except fun, when you fun get to Tour de France soundtracks. Yeah, because yeah. Tour de France is also in French. <laughs> God damn it! God, Kraftwerk is good. <laughs> Fucking Europeans, and they're speaking more than two languages. <laughs> yeah, unrelatable. Honestly, unrelatable. We are bilingual at most here in North America, and we like it that way. Mm. God, I was watching the movie uh, Black Book yesterday, which is a Dutch movie. It's directed by Paul Verhoeven, and the the, the main the main character is played by Melisandre, and she's she's like um, she's speaking Dutch, but then for like huge chunks of the movie she's speaking german and it's like almost perfect like you can barely hear an accent <laughs> and then she also like played marisandre in game of thrones and then didn't have like an obvious accent like also very good english so i'm like what? yeah <laughs> what's your deal <laughs> how are you doing that like she's got a good control over germanic languages i guess yeah guess so i wonder if it's like i i, I could see that like uh for European, like specifically uh, Dutch and Scandinavian actors, it's almost a requirement that they speak un- almost unnoticeably perfect English so that they get the job. <laughs> like, <laughs> Unless you're Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. Yeah. He can do whatever the fuck he's doing. <laughs> this, yeah, this one was immediately more interesting than the last song to me. Um, yeah. And uh, like, I was still enjoying how there's no verses or chorus yeah. really. Um, and I, I was, at this point I was kind of reflecting on like maybe why I wasn't as into this back in the day. Um, and I think it was just the, the like instrumentation kind of tricked me into, into thinking that it was less interesting than it actually is. Um, and that, that was also kind of what happened to me the first couple of times, like when I was a teenager that I listened to Illinois by Sufjan Stevens. Yeah. Like there's a lot going on in that album, but it also... Like just is an indie pop record, right? Yeah, I mean, you 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 had like a more res- more resistance to like twee, I guess yeah. is the, the 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 short way to put it. Yeah, right. Because I mean that was almost like a dirty word in indie rock for a while. 
<laughs> yeah. Before yeah. everyone realized that it's good and you love it. <laughs> it yeah. It, yeah, I was like, <laughs> remember when someone asked me like, what the fuck does tree even mean? And like the only short explanation, the only expan- explanation I could give was like, uh, if you listen to Ben and Sebastian, that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah Twee was basically describing people who kind of sound like Bell and Sebastian. Yeah. Although Bell and Sebastian are very, like, they're very wordy. It's a different kind of Twee than mm. this. Or, like, Los yeah. Campesinos. Yeah. Beat happening. Beat happening, yeah. Yeah. This song sure says, and make love to you in my, and make love with you in my grave. <laughs> I in want it. to die today. <laughs> I, I love how, in this, how, how this is an album where you can, like, wholeheartedly sing along to I want to die today and not feel like shit. Yeah, yep. mood. Is this love of ours a lie? Is it killing me alive? Is this so love good. of ours a lie? Is it chemically have... derived to ascertain and sequester <laughs> the pain? Is this We're... love of ours a lie? Is it? We're already circling back to the AIM instant messenger away messages. Oh, absolutely. This is the one you put when you're sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, God, I-, I love this song. Like, this is the ending of this song is the most like grandiose this album feels i feel like like yeah because yeah ready to die is very uh it's quiet it's 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 a real album closer kind of song i mean i i i love when uh i think like the second to last song always needs to be like a significant one for any album like yeah you have to you have to make that like the big statement and then there's then you put something to the end that like gives it a gives it a nice wind down or a good like ending point but like this one is like the you know there's no chorus on this one but like the i want to die is this love of ours lie part that that really feels like the uh the high point or, or like the the climax of the album i guess yeah and then it goes immediately into the song ready to die yep. things get clear so that chorus Ghost got biggie small, sounds like a drill. The death sweat suits me, a death threat provides a thrill. I've seen the world, I've kissed all the pretty girls. I've said my goodbyes, and now I'm ready to die. Oh. Notorious B.I.G. reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he literally says it. He does literally say it. Which and then, yeah, the I woke up thirsty on an island. didn't catch. Wait, they did. <laughs> uh, the, the, when, I last, when I last looked at this, I could swear that uh, someone pointed out in the comments. Yeah, someone points out in the comments that the Ghost of Biggest Moss is a reference to, reference to Ready to Die. So I guess originally it wasn't in there. Like. Yeah. This opens up right away with I woke up thirsty on an island in the sea. And then Island's first album is called Return to the Sea. Uh-huh. Yep. And then, yeah, like, th- this song is, like, quoted on Swan's Life After Death, which is on that album as well. So he's, uh, he's, already, he's already putting down, putting down the, the preludes to his future music on there. At the end of this track, they do just sort of die. It's so good. <laughs> I do <laughs> love that. <laughs> there's, no, there's no fade out. It just kind of cuts off yeah, at it the feels end. Like he, it's, he sounds like he's choking at the line, I'm ready to die, and then, like, ready to, uh, <laughs> And then it just ends. Yeah, yeah. it's good. It kind of remind this album weirdly reminds me of the movie All That Jazz. I don't know if <laughs> if you have seen that one, but I haven't. It's great. It's a great movie, but it's done by this guy who like 
wrote himself into a movie where he accepts his own death and like the entire movie like beats you into the head like at the beginning of the movie he's like directing a stand-up comedian's movie where he talks about the five stages of acceptance of death and then like throughout the entire movie he's like hearing those stages and then at the end he finally accepts it and sings the song uh bye bye love but instead of bye bye love he sings bye bye life (laughs) and then at the end he just dies like in a very abrupt cut like in a very similar way as it's in this one bye bye life been real it's been real it's been, I've seen all the words, kissed all the pretty girls, I've said my goodbye. Like, that's also what all the jazz is about. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost got biggie, small sounds like ghost a drill. Ghost got biggie, small sounds. <laughs> he he almost, like, splits it into a couplet, but the, the lyrics doesn't show that here, so it could have them together. <laughs> they slurred that chorus, the death sweat suits me, a death threat provides a thrill. Mm. And then he dies. F. And then the band dies. Actually, I kind of want to look at some unicorn set lists to see if they ended with this one. Kind of seems like the perfect song to end a show with. Yeah. Let's I wonder if they did. Unicorn set lists. I'm also curious now. Uh, they played. They played "Ready to Die" and then followed it with uh, the Unicorns 2014, um, which is a song from their like follow up EP, which was basically just like they put out some demos because they had them handy mm-hmm. while they were touring, uh, mm-hmm. and then encored with "I Was Born a Unicorn." Okay. Yeah, that makes that sense. That tracks. Yeah. Which, yeah, that, yeah. that follow-up EP got a very, very bad review. It's not quite <laughs> long enough that we could cover it on the show, but uh, they're like, what right. the fuck are these guys doing? And it's like, I don't know, they're kind of just doing what they were doing on the first thing, but they put literally just gave you demos instead of an album. Yeah. yeah. It's like, maybe it just needed that extra level of polish that an album provided. <laughs> Who knows? I can't find any of the sets for, like, their original 2004 shows, like, from... Yeah, like, Unicorns fans clearly aren't like they might be Giants fans, uh, where every yeah. set list is, is perfectly uh, oh, I found one from I found one from 2004, but this was probably, like, one of those 30-minute shows. Like, they only played 10 songs, they didn't even play Ready to Die, and they ended on I Was Born a Unicorn, so. Yeah. Oh, they're, okay, yeah, so Rough Jam was a Unicorn song, because it's in yeah. the set list. An Abominable Snowman Became Abominable Snow on the... The second Islands album. Huh. Yep. So yeah, like Nick Nick was plumbing the depths for those first two. <laughs> so that's uh, that's who will cut our hair when we're gone by the unicorns. Damn, and we didn't even find out who will cut the hair. <laughs> God damn it. I Pigment. think it's like kind of fascinating that they gave the original and the new reissue the same score. Yeah. I feel like often they will either go up or down. It's exactly uh, as good as we thought. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's, it's objectively like, an eight point nine out of ten. <laughs> it is objectively an eight point nine. You can't make it any higher. You can't make it any less. It's like I, I Pitchfork has like a, a a mixed history with how they treat reissues because uh, yeah. sometimes they're like, I want to consider this reissue as its own product, and they'll they'll review it as such, or they'll be like, I want to consider this re- reissue compared to. Um, like a mistaken original review. So that's like Andrew WK going from a 0.6 to an 8.6. The yeah. the largest the largest mea culpa in their entire history. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get yeah. stuff like um, the the reissue of Modest Mouse's uh, whatever the fuck their 2000 uh, the Moon in Antarctica. The original I they either gave it a 10 or a high nine, and then the reissue got below five. And the only reason they gave for that is like, oh, the bonus tracks aren't that good. Mm. 
<laughs> yeah. And like and that's such a, a really weird way to reassess a reissue. But this one, it's like, okay, there's some extra tracks on this, but like the jelly bones of what we have here are pretty solid. Um yep. and like <laughs> yeah, we think it's pretty much as good as we said it was. It's it's an interesting uh, thing in like the the lineage of pitchfork reissue reviews. So we got some we got some Twitter questions uh, for the first time in quite a while uh, for this. Oh, I'm episode. glad you remembered to ask for those because I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, our guests did a good job of soliciting those uh, from folks. Um, so I'll just go down these starting from the top. Uh, the first one that we got was from uh, past guest James uh, from both the Kanye and the Toon Yards episode um, that says, longtime guest, first time questioner. How important to the conversation around anything unicorns is their very small footprint output compared to their apparent influence in indie music? I've always felt like uh, Who Will Cut Our Hair When We're Gone has a monolithic stature, despite being a fairly slight album. And yeah, I I, I could see that. Um, I, we, and, I think we kind of got into that a little bit. It's yeah. just like, it's yeah. because Pitchfork was a kingmaker. Right. I feel like without like a major high profile review like Pitchfork, it wouldn't make any sense. And I feel like that additional level of fame is probably also just what broke up the band later because they yeah. clearly weren't ready for the level of fame that it brought them. Because mm. mm-hmm. they clearly did not like touring. <laughs> if like if 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 we accept that it's really Pitchfork that made them big, then it's especially wild because it's an awful review, as we said. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people were ever reading the reviews. I think that's kind of how Pitchfork was operating, is assuming that you were just looking at the score and not reading the review at all. Uh, otherwise, I don't on, know yeah. how. Like, if if that review was published today, like, everyone would have <laughs> roasted them for that style. On Twitter, yeah. Merciless, mercilessly on Twitter, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Giant ratio. Giant um, ratio. <laughs> then we have, uh, from This Might Be a Podcast, uh, this isn't really a question, but just pointing out... Uh, that uh, Greg Simpson from This Might Be a Podcast uh, rated uh, this album number three on the, his top 100 of 2000 to 2009 for Wow, Punk above News. the Weaker Than's reconstruction site. That's bold. Yeah. <laughs> above Transatlanticism. As, as a big Weaker Than's fan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Just one below and Modest Mouse. It, yeah. And Mink Carr is at number nine. Greg sure. is the only person who likes Mink Carr. <laughs> <laughs> You know, Ninth it came out on 9-11, and it's just a very important album to the <laughs> culture. Ninth best album for the decade is wild for that one. Yeah. Um, from from Zelius, can non-virgins listen to the unicorns? Absolutely not. Yeah. Like, I, I, I felt uh, a little bit awkward listening to this, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's just, you know, it, it's, as we often cover on this show, it's got some some big incel anthems on it. Yeah, of course, he keeps, the, all the lyrics are about how he's not getting laid. I don't know, this this doesn't seem like an obvious insult to me. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not bright eyes, if you, you know. Correct, yeah. God, it's, it's, I mean, it's, we, we may not be pure of body, but we are pure of heart and pure of mind. So I'm sure the unicorns would grace us with their presence. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what, you're right. It's less of a... It's less of a this is in some music and more like uh more like it's the unicorns will be insulted if you fuck. Like <laughs> I think it's very like I would I, I would be like you would almost call it like it's naive music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very like um 
unpre- it's very unpretentious. Yeah. Yeah, you listen to this on your Fisher Price uh, cassette recorder with with a microphone attachment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That that's what it's that's what, <laughs> that's what even the album cover looks like. That's what that's what it sounds like. Um mm-hmm. like it's very it's, it's very pure. Yeah. Yeah, Rafi should be on this album. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think that also makes it be not uh or, or you know, makes it be very re-listenable in a way that you can come back to it like five years later, ten years later, and be like, "Oh yeah, this is still yeah. good," and not like feel embarrassed for what you liked as a teen, you know. <laughs> it makes it very uh, the the way it's like a naive album makes it very not um, not tied to a certain age group, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The the other two questions are also from Zelius, and I don't have really anything to say about them, no. but I'll read them anyway. Uh, what is Nick's, Nick Thorburn's class spec, and are unicorns people or addicts? I am confused. Yeah, I famously stopped reading uh, Homestuck <laughs> after Act 5, so I don't know what a class spec is. Well, they have class specs the whole time. It's like yeah. uh, like how like John is the heir of yeah. breath. Yeah, those I are heard class of those, but they never explained it, so... Yeah, they never really got into it. They never said I'm, the I'm also just not gonna, I'm simply not going to answer the question. The other one is just a reference to Nick Diamond's solo album, which is called I Am an Attic, which was released in 2011. Um, yeah. And I think the unicorns are, they, they are unicorns because Alden is there. Oh, yes. that makes sense. Yeah. There's also two questions on this that are on locked accounts. So I, you might yeah, I, not Yeah, I can see only them. see OGs. Yeah, and there's another one from Hollier Descent that... Uh, says uh, compared to pick for pitchforks, otherwise absolute love of lo-fi, especially in the two thousands. What do you think of the three point six the twenty fourteen EP? Got to review that. The the songs were less polished, but I don't think they deserve to score that low. Is my long and short on that? Yeah, yeah. It's I like, didn't really ever listen to that, so I don't really have an opinion on it. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, I I didn't revisit it for this, so I don't have like a, a coherent opinion on it. But I think it's very much um, it's kind of a pitchfork thing around that era is if the follow-up was not deemed as, like, good as the critically lauded thing, yeah. they felt like they had to knock them down a peg, and that's exactly what that review was. I think that's the same score they gave that Black Kids album. Like a two-point-something? Yeah, well, it's, it was a three-point-something, but, like, they just yeah. didn't, they didn't give the sad pugs to this one. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and then the other question from, from at Slitherbite was, which songs would be greatly improved by having a flute solo? <laughs> I would say most. <laughs> I also think that most songs could use just a nice fiddle in the background. It just sounds nice. It sounds really good on the one song it's on. So yeah, yeah, it's just chilling there. Yeah, I it made me want to listen to more Maybe music that has work fiddles that into in it. My music more. Yeah, it's just it. They, fiddles have nice sonics to them. It That's made me want to listen to the Velvet Underground. Yeah, I love. Like I, I got. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Even though it's a that's a viola, I think. Um, it sounds like a fiddle, but. It, it, it's the sonic profile of the fiddle that yeah, made, <laughs> it made me think of that song. You know, if you know band people, uh, there's going to be the ones who play any other instrument are always going to make fun of the viola. Um, of course. <laughs> and then there's going to be the viola players who are going to be very insulted if, if you say they play a fiddle. <laughs> uh, so. what? You, the, viola players just need to simply embrace the country roots. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like we can you know, make co- speaking we of- can make country anti-capitalist <laughs> again. Learn to play the fiddle. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say like when you said uh, violins improve anything, like that's why um, King Crimson's like songs in Aspic is so good. Like that's when they added a violin player 
And then like so I'm almost surprised that given this was in like early 2000s Montreal that Owen Pallet isn't on this album. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of surprising. It's it, it's just because they didn't have they didn't spend enough time in the studio to get a violin on anything. Mm. They had the one fiddle. I yeah. think That's so. It. Yeah, like that it, that does feel like they just managed to get a fiddle on that one song not because he didn't want on any others but like it's a, you you have to be relatively organized to get yeah, yeah. Uh, Owen Pallet on your album <laughs> just like Owen Pallet has to be kind of organized to get Brian Eno on his album <laughs> yeah what if Brian Eno was on this one what if what Brian, Brian Eno was on Eno? this one he would i think go back to like his art rock days he'd like he'd, he'd throw some here come the warm jets into this situation <laughs> yeah he would overproduce the hell out of it. Yeah, this this is an album really that would, no, this album would this album if it were if it were to get like a famous producer slash engineer would probably be something that would benefit from a Steve Albini treatment. Yeah, I can see that. Although he's he's more a guy that's really good for bands that are used to the live format and want their album to sound like their live format, mm. um, which probably wouldn't be good in this case. What did Steve Albini no. do? <laughs> he, he's a producer. He also did Big Black. That's like his band. Oh yeah, yeah. And he produced Songs the about first. Fucking. Yeah, he produced the first Slint album, and oh, he produced okay. yeah, In Utero I, by Nirvana. Course, yeah. yeah, I watched the yeah I watched the Slint documentary, so I, I I yeah I have seen this guy in that one. That that yeah that was the guy who was like talking about how well. I wouldn't have been a good fit for Spiderland, and I fucked up a few things on the right, first. Right, right. Yeah, he only did Tweez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was uh, thinking of, yeah. of of like music producers how like the that that might have worked that like when when uh, Guided by Voices did their first like major studio album they got like the producer who did Nebraska for Bruce Springsteen like a, a guy who was like good at despite being like a professional producer just good at producing lo-fi stuff so you know something like that could have worked on this but yeah now I'm curious who produced Nebraska. <laughs> I just forgot his name. Nebraska. It says producer brings Bruce Springsteen, so I'm sure it's somewhere else on this article. Probably. But yeah, either way, um, every time I think of Steve Albini, I just think of the anecdote about him recording with um, Cloud Nothings. And <laughs> it was basically he sat in the corner of the studio playing Facebook uh, Scrabble mm-hmm. and just <laughs> occasionally walking up and adjusting the mics. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute fucking legend. <laughs> we Nebraska, just need someone the there way, who knows how the equipment works. Nebraska, by the way, has a 10 from Pitchfork. We could cover Nebraska if we wanted to. <laughs> we could, yeah. It's pretty good album. Pretty good album. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I think this album holds up really well, primarily because of like the lo-fi nature in which it's recorded, yeah. the kind of chaotic environment around it, and any more or less produced, and it wouldn't have worked. It really was like lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, it's very or lightning much. Through, or lightning like, as much as we say anything can be improved by a flute solo or violin solo, I almost <laughs> feel like it's if you add one more element into this album, it's gonna fall apart. So yeah, yeah. they had exactly as much flute as they yeah. needed on this one. It needs to, catch, to be simple. To catch and the it lightning, is. to catch the lightning through the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, well, I think that that about does it for this one. Um, so Janusz, thank you for for coming on the show. Um, we kind of like looped you in really, really fast <laughs> as opposed to any of our previous guests. So thanks for, uh, finding one so quick. Um, and, uh, where else can we, uh, find you these days? Um, you can find me, 
mostly in the library where I'm writing my master's thesis. But uh, if you want to find me on the internet, you can follow me at Janos Kapuvari, which is my real legal name um, on Twitter. It's probably going to be in the show notes, so I don't have to spell it. Uh, you can or should listen to my podcasts. Um, I have a few... Uh, just check out. Let me read them out. Any of the them. Age of Pods, Who Watches the Watch, A Song of Babbies and Puppies, Lynchpin, The Cop Killer Chronicles, <laughs> Immortal Incantations Heart Spell. Are there more? Uh, I think I think that's all of them, yeah. Got it. <laughs> you can go to noisespace.xyz slash host slash Janos. Hey, yeah. Janos, to find every one of your guest appearances, of which there are many. Yeah. yeah I'm, including fear baiting. I'm uh, them forbidding it. Podcasting is forbidden in the cloud recesses. Nightmare and Arrow. Oh, I wasn't that Another too, fear yeah. baiting. I was, I was going to say, <laughs> oh, I've, I've only been on fear baiting and uh, cloud recesses, but yeah, it's just like all the, all the Roy shows, I guess, and Sarah's show. And Nightmare and Arrow. Yeah, you've been on Nightmare and Arrow. Yep. And uh, now well... this. <laughs> <laughs> and now this, yeah. I, I'm going to be on Pot of Greed uh, Fuck yeah. next month. One of these days I'll be on Pot of Greed. So I'm David. Uh, you can find me on this show uh, on Twitter at, at Dave's with three V's. Um, I make music as Spinning Voices, spinningvoices.bandcamp.com. I'm working on a new album currently. I'm not sure when it's going to be finished, but at least I've got artwork, art, artwork ready for it, uh, which is looking really nice. Um, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Matt, what about you? I'm Matt. You can find me on Twitter at MattGCN, where I post about Pokemon mostly. Um, I feel like the only podcast I've updated relatively recently is my Pokemon podcast, which I updated a couple of months ago. Uh, It's called Elite Full Restore. It is the thing that started the network that is noisespace.xyz, which is our our sprawling network of 36 podcasts currently. Could be more soon. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Check out the shows on there. Check out appearances by many hosts and guests of this podcast and uh yeah it's basically that's basically it so thank you to animal style for the use of the uh, theme song open air from the album open air and thanks to nikki flowers for making the podcast art uh and as we always say i had never seen a shooting star before i had never seen a shooting star before i have never seen a shooting star before (laughs) 